Hi, this is Carson with Freud, and I have with me Becca Lee Gardner. Um, she is a fantasy science fiction author. Um, Becca, thank you so much for getting on with me today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and some of the, the works that you've um, written. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, like you said, I'm Becca Lee Gardner. I'm fairly new to the fantasy sci-fi genre, but I've always been a fan. So this year I've uh, produced two um children's like chapter books sci-fi fantasy but before that was a sci-fi horror and now I'm currently working on an epic fantasy so always sort of in that sci-fi fantasy realm um I have a bachelor's degree in English literature which if you've had uh, any English classes that just means that I like overcame my degree in order to still write like it's not I don't know if it's a credit but it's something you know and uh um, I've won an honorable mention with the Writers of the Future contest, short story contest, eight times. My eighth one just came through a couple of uh, weeks ago. So um, that's sort of my, like I've played around with a lot of different mediums. I've done obviously short stories, like I mentioned with honor, uh, honorable mention and Writers of the Future, but I've done, I've written some screenplays and some comics and now novels. So I just, I've always loved story and all of its mediums and really just sci-fi fantasy is my where my heart's at so so that's a lot I mean uh screenplays short stories novels um how do you transition between them and then uh, what are some of the challenges with that yeah yeah it was really sort of a journey for me because um when I was a kid I I got into reading and writing by like reading the Star Wars extended universe novels like that's what got my heart in like fifth grade um, they were at that point they didn't really have a lot of like like junior sort of novels they were all just adult novels so I had to like up my reading level in order to access the stories I wanted to read I, I dove into those and I loved them loved them I read them all and uh, and then as I decided I wanted to be a writer I sort of told myself that I wasn't like that a novel was too big like it was too much it was too perfect for me to access so I started accessing stories in different ways. So I started short stories. Um, the Writers of the Future contest is fantastic. So if you have any listeners that are writing or aspiring writers, that's a great contest to enter. Um, I started doing that in, in like 2013, at entering. And um, so it's been a long time of me just entering this contest. So I did, was doing short stories and then um, I got some feedback uh, at a writing conference that was, uh, that, that shook me that you know essentially was that like my descriptions were too distracting for the story and I was like you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a story I'm going to become a storyteller and what's a medium where my descriptions don't matter um to the reader and that's comics right because the descriptions are only for the artist and the artist takes those descriptions and makes them into the art you know and my story has to stand up you know and I get to collaborate with artists so then I moved into comics and I met I a good friend, Doug Wagner, who's local to Utah and a fantastic um, comic book writer and uh, worked with him on some scripts. And I worked, you know, got, you know, worked, got paid for some scripts too. And that was fun. And then I was like, you know what, like, I think this collaboration is really fun. Like I should try some screenplays. And so I wrote a few and um, all the while my heart wanted to write novels. And it was just sort of this like long journey of me wanting to access story and just being afraid to access the novel which was my heart you know that's where that's where my heart fell in love with story and it's just been this sort of long path to get back there so um 
there are, there's definitely some things to learn when you move mediums. Um, but at the heart of story is the same, you know, good characters, good plot, like good suspense, good, like these moments, um, they might look different in different mediums, but they, they, there's still some magic that translates, so. That's amazing. Um, having eight honorable mentions in Rise of the Future is, is impressive. When you are creating stories for those, I mean, you have to basically get in and get out in a few amount of words. Um, when you're brainstorming and when you're trying to come up with ideas, what are you looking for um, before you, you put um, pen to paper? Yeah, that's a good question. I, for short stories, I'll explore almost any nugget of an idea because I know I don't have to sustain it for very long. You know, like it's a sprint. I can, I can sprint with a lot of things. And I like to try maybe characters that would, you would not want to stay in their head for several hours. Like if you're reading a novel, you're going to be in that head for a long time. In short stories, I can try people that, you know, you don't want to stay in that head for very long, but it's an interesting head to pop into for a minute or two, right? So uh, short stories, I, I like to play with those kinds of concepts. And sometimes um, that's like, I've written a short story and I'm like, you know what, I really want this to be a novel. Like uh, I just wrote one, it's called the <laughs> Punstoppable um, Catfish Stanley. And it's, uh, it's gonna be coming out in an anthology next year. Um, but the magic system is all by puns. So um, he, he tells puns and it, it creates defensive spells for people. Um, and, and so if and the more people cringe at his puns, the more uh, powerful the pun magic becomes. Oh, that's and, awesome. uh, and his only offensive spell is a knock-knock joke, which requires two people. So usually these pun wizards have two people, but he's on his own, right? So it's this story of him trying to keep his office building safe while he's like throwing down terrible puns, which I love, right? I love terrible puns. I'm one of those people, but um, I wrote this short story and... Uh, and it, you know, it's, it's getting picked up in this anthology and uh, I, I just, I'm craving a whole novel <laughs> this world, you know? So sometimes it does, like I get an idea and I write it as a short story. I'm like, oh yeah, like that, I could follow that into a whole novel. And sometimes I write a short story and like, you know, I think I explored everything I wanted to there, but the idea itself, um, it's, it's sort of just, it's a trial and error thing. Like I thought when I started my writing career that like, I would find some rule set that would like click and I'm like, okay, if like, like a math equation, like if this idea, if I have X, Y, Z and this idea, then it will be a good novel, you know? And it turns out it's just intuition. Like it's just, you know, practice and, you know, you tried and you try again, you try again, you try again, and, and then you finally kind of get something that works. Um, so yeah, <laughs> a, lot, a lot messier than it, it seems. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times it's an organic thing where as you're going along new things pop in your head to where you can explore those as you're writing them and, and going along yeah so you know you've like i said you've had different mediums um do you have different writing habits for for different mediums or do you have you know i have this time or block of time where i'm sitting down and writing or what's your thought process in that way um yeah like uh <laughs> when you're the structures are really different. And so when I'm outlining things, it's really, really different um, by the medium. For instance, like when you're writing comics, you have a page count, right? And so you're trying to like, 
I, I, I'll break it down by page. Like, what is this page's story? Like, what's that's piece, you know? And can I fit it on that page? Because nothing makes a comic book artist more angry when you're like shoving too much on a page as a writer. You're like too much story, right? And and uh, you know, TV and film scripts. Um, I, I outline I outline by scenes more than I do other things for uh, other fiction for short stories and novels. Um, I, I try to figure out what the beginning, middle and end is, but I'm terrible at this. Like every novel I've ever written, the end is different from what I thought it was gonna be. And it just surprised, like it, it just surprises me. And I love that, but um, I sort of get to the end and the, all of the voices in my head are like, that was a nice like scaffold you built, but it's wrong. <laughs> like we're gonna build a new ending. So. So that's sort of like the idea process, like the, I put in, I do put in a lot of work at the beginning of, of pieces. Um, my, my outlines are not like, some people get pretty extreme with outlines and I do not. Um, but what I do get pretty extreme about is exploring my characters. So um, I try to have like, um, like the, the epic fantasy novel I'm working on right now, I I gave them all D and D classes. Like, okay, this is my lawful good. This, you know, like I, so that I have an ensemble cast, and so that I knew exactly how each person was going to act, and I have a very good idea of like, I try to have like what I call a character silhouette. Um, it's something that I borrowed from artists. There's this idea that like, if you're doing character design, if you took all of the design away and just made them a black silhouette, would you be able to tell the difference between each character? And I try to do that with with like my, my character sketches for my characters uh, in you know my novels and short stories. Like, uh, is if these two people are together, can you know if they can't share the same word, they can't both be thoughtful, right? Like, if I'm gonna call one thoughtful, the other one needs to be something else. Like, they need to have their own spaces. So I approach it that way. Um, as far as like processes and like putting words down on the page, that just depends on the day. Like, I'm a mom with three kids, and right mm -hmm. now they're all at school, which is great. Great. I love my kids, but it's nice to have some space for my career. Um, but it just like depends on the workflow of the day. I've been going um, the last few months. I've been walking a lot. I could walk ten miles a day from like oh, wow. I start like four o'clock in the morning because then like, everyone's asleep and nobody misses mom, right? And so um, that's been a really good time for brainstorming. And I like write notes for the day of like, okay, this is what I want this chapter to be, or like the next few chapters, this, these are notes on them. So that's part of the process there. But otherwise, just like butt in the chair, like get the words down. And uh, and when I'm drafting new, new things, I have a word count that I will hit and I will not go to bed unless I have that. So that's my like uh, reward and punishment because <laughs> I still wake up at four no matter when I go to bed. So get the words done before 10 o'clock or you're not going to be able to function tomorrow. So <laughs> No, and that's, uh, you know, a couple of great habits, you know, getting your butt in the chair and, and writing your goal, whatever that is, whether that's 250 words or 2,000 words. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you kind of alluded to, to walking. I think keeping yourself some sort of exercise every day helps with the creative process. You know, I mean, it creates endorphins and, and a whole bunch of hormones that can um, benefit you um, in your creative process. I think that's a, a, a huge key yeah. as well. So, um you talked about, you know, you're, you're an outliner. Do you have like a specific way to outline or do you just, have you found a system that works for you um, to, to create stories? Yeah. Uh, recently I've really loved Save the Cat as far as um, 
it gives some pretty generic beats of like this, you know, consider this. I don't really love any outlining style that's very prescriptive um, because as much, I, I think about like the before work, before I start writing as like putting the sand in the sandbox, right? Like, I don't care. I just need, I, I don't care what like forms it's taking. I just need all the sand in there, right? And then when I start drafting, then I can pull all these things and, and build the castle. But like, I just need all the sand there. And I've, I spent a lot of years where I was like, oh yeah, I got a half a castle built, but I didn't have enough sand. Like I didn't know, I didn't know where I wanted to go. I didn't have this character wasn't real, like all of the things. So I just try to like, I use as many systems as I need to, to like just fill up that's that sandbox. And it's sort of, um, it's, <laughs> it's an interesting like head game you play as a writer. Cause you're like, okay, you could do that filling the sandbox your whole life on one story like you could because mm -hmm. there's just never ending amount of world building you could do in sci-fi and fantasy and so there has to be this moment of self-awareness where you know like okay i'm just procrastinating like i know where i'm going i've got enough sand here and what i don't have i can figure out like i can build right now i'm just scared to usually that's what it is for me like i'm scared to build uh you know it's just it's somewhat easy to like put sand in um so there's that moment, no matter what system you use to just know that like, it's time, it's time to just write. Um, I love Hero of a Thousand Faces, Hero with a Thousand Faces. One by of Joseph Campbell. Yeah, by Joseph Campbell. You know, like the hero's journey, I love that. I will, I, I'm a massive story geek. So I'll read any book on story structure, but I won't follow any of them like, uh, like gospel truth. Uh, I just sort of pick things that make sense and sometimes like oh man I wonder if this is a threshold and I'll go and look up threshold guardians or something and like oh yeah that's cool and, and bring it in but um I think your subconscious is your best storyteller and so anytime your conscious mind decides to still tell stories they feel derivative in you know <laughs> my opinion but when you get your subconscious like you can feed your subconscious all the time and it's always feeding but like if you start consciously deciding like this is oh this has to happen because xyz then you're shutting down your better storyteller that's great advice to, to follow your subconscious and i think sometimes people might get pigeonholed if they follow uh, a certain plot or outlining device um you know whatever that is because they they just feel that that's that's kind of what they need to do when there's so many other like save the cat there's dan Harmon story circle there's joseph campbell's um hero with a thousand paces and you know explore and decide what what works for you i mean you might take something from save the cat and want something from joseph campbell and combine them yeah. now now you said something earlier that i really loved is you you know building your character silhouette you use D D um character sheets are, are you know kind yeah. of creating your character i i love that um what how did you decide to do that or what is that I, something you came up with your own or like did you just think like somebody like suggested it to you or did you see it somewhere else yeah i took a really cool class on building pro tags and antags by jim butcher actually uh february of this year i went to a superstars writing seminar which is fantastic it's such it's one of the best writing seminars I've ever been to. And I've been to quite a few, like every class I went to, I was like, man, this is good. This is good, it's great content and great people. Um, so he talked a lot about building uh, characters and it's just solidified in my mind. I was like, oh yeah, like this is, 
um, this is something I want to do. And obviously Jim Butcher is a massive fantasy geek like us. So like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I lifted it from him. I don't want to take any credit. Um, but that's when I was like, I think I did it subconsciously before. And, and this year is when I was like, you know, I'm going to consciously do this. Like it's, um, I'm going to pick, like use the system that's going to work for you. Right. And when I'm building an ensemble cast, like when I wrote Mindstorm, I wasn't thinking about Lori Kimura's like uh, D&D class so much. Uh, I, she was sort of fully developed in my head. But when I have an ensemble cast, I was like, oh yeah, like these, these might blend together too much, you know? And so I, I pulled in a structure that was gonna help me feel successful. So yeah, yeah, it was really, it's really fun though. I think I'm gonna do it going forward. It's a lot of fun. I actually have been thinking about doing that and doing a like a YouTube series of writing a novel and and doing um, characters based off of um, you know Pathfinder or DD, some sort of role playing game because um, not necessarily I mean you said the, the class everybody but like the like the, all the um, attributes like the strength yeah. and the character the mm -hmm. charisma and stuff to be like okay this character um, won't act this way because of this attribute you know he's he's deficient in say charisma and he's going to try to mm -hmm. try to uh, convince this general to not persecute him or whatever like he's going to fail so like acting in certain ways i think it's a great idea and it's uh, for people who are struggling with their character development i think it's a, a great tip or trick so right. thank you for sharing that i think it's yeah. amazing yeah like you said i think uh the limitations of characters are the most interesting parts right like not so much that you superman's cool but it, like crypt when he meets kryptonite like when he gets involved with kryptonite that's when he's really interesting right i guess the and i think that the D D you know stat sheets character sheets are good at helping people pull out those like those weaknesses those limitations because that's where story that's like story crack like that's that's really interesting yeah right you hit the, the nail on the head like with superman but uh, another one batman like in the Christopher Nolan trilogy, like his rule is he won't kill people. So like, how is he going to solve yeah. problems without yeah. killing people? Like, and then the uh, creative ways that you can go about that is amazing. I think yeah. that's, I think that's uh, Brandon Sanderson's first law, like in, of magic is like, you have to know like the limitations and figure out ways around it. Yeah. It's you know, a good, it's a good rule of thumb for a, mo a lot of storytelling. Right. Now um, you wrote Mindstorm. How, uh, what was kind of the genesis for that? <laughs> Mindstorm. Um, Mindstorm. I had a good friend, Doug Wagner. I talked about him. He's the great comic book writer. Um, he he's been a friend of mine on this journey for a long time. And he was like, Becca, 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 you need to write write the book that you would if you saw it at Barnes and Noble. You would like run to your car and like dig coin out of the seat of your car to like get and then buy this book. He's like, that's the book you want to write because I'm you know, I'm like a recovering perfectionist and like a people pleaser by heart. And so I could write, like I could write stories that other people will love, like that will satisfy their sort of tastes. And that's, that's how I got through my college career, right? Like I can write essays for the professors and they like it. But at some point in my fiction career, I needed to write the story of my heart, like the one that I would want, like I crave that. And that's how Mindstorm came. I was like, I really love I love sci-fi and I love like psychological horror and I love suspense and I love really, really like strong, capable female characters that have depth that aren't just, you know, just guys, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're like, they're, they have, they have depths and wants and like, I, I just, uh, so that's where it started and it took, um, 
it took like three or four complete rewrites to get my storm where it is now because not because the story itself lagged but that my confidence and the ability like finding what I wanted you know like I, I wrote several pretty good <laughs> sci-fi horror versions of this on my way um but to find the one that was like yeah this is the one that I crave uh, that was sort of the goal of my storm it's like I want to write the story of my heart and uh that's what happened it's <laughs> a creepy story <laughs> you know sometimes people can get caught up in that perfection that you talked about and can prevent them from writing like if people would understand that like the first draft is the first draft and you know you said you wrote rewrote it like three or four times or whatever and um if people can realize that it's okay to, to change things it's not going to affect you uh personally or, or whatever like you're not you have to separate yourself from the story like yeah. the story is not you and if you can look at it um objectively and be able to be willing to, to get rid of it i know i've interviewed some people where they've had to give get rid of 80 to you know 60 80 percent of their story and start over and to a new writer that can be kind of daunting but if you want to be a writer you kind of have to be willing to to do that in order to have a career right right so, there's i'll oh, go for it no go ahead uh i this moment when I, as a writer, that I was worried I was going to run out of ideas, but, you know, like, well, like I had this, like, had this notion or this instinct that I should save my best ideas. Like, oh man, I'm not going to write that one. That was my favorite idea. I'm going to write these other ideas. And, um, cause I thought that they were like finite. And, uh, I, what I learned is that, and, and this was from writing every day. I just made it a habit to write every day that the more you write, the, the more ideas you have and, and you will never run out. Like, and the, and the less you write, the like the <laughs> fewer they are, you know? And so um, this idea that like not being so precious with your ideas is was a good learning moment for me. Like, okay, yeah, let's just write, let's like do the coolest thing I can think of today. And in five weeks, I will have another cool idea. You know what I mean? Like when I'm ready to write another one, I will have more cool ideas and, and, and that's awesome. But story is always king, you know? And so like uh, anytime I get too, too attached to a draft or a chapter or whatever, like I have to remind myself story is king. Like whatever, what's best for the story goes, not what's best for Becca. It's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you, like I said earlier, you have to separate yourself. Yeah. and you know the more I talk to authors the more that they, they say that like stories like a dime a dozen like when I interviewed Jim Butcher you mentioned him earlier like that's that's one of the things he said and you know he was challenged to write a series based on two totally unrelated things and he's able to do it because stories dime a dozen and you can be able to um, put things together in order to make a story you know it doesn't have to be like this magical um you know angels singing oh mm -hmm. moment like yeah. if you want to be a writer like you said like write every day and those stories those stories yeah. come that's for sure now you now i met you a fan x um conventions are you know kind of an important part to meet fans and um you know sell your book um what was some of the things that you found successful as you were doing that oh man um it was my it was my first time selling in person and that was it's such a good experience. It's so great. It's so great. I mean, there's a magic 
there, there's just a magic in like connecting with readers that I just underestimated. Um, and you don't see it when it's on Amazon, right? Like when it's an online sale, you just don't see it. But like when it's in person, you see like, you see like the story light up in people's eyes. You pitch the story and then it like connects and you see that moment of connection. And that's amazing. It's amazing. It's a, it's addictive actually. Like it's <laughs> like, when am I going again? Like what, when, when can I do this again? It's, it's fantastic. So, I mean, there, I think if you go into, uh, if you, you know, if you're going to sell in person, like I think that it's good to be in a good headset. Like I am here to connect with people like, and to connect with readers and to share stories because it's easy to get in there and be like, I am an imposter and these guys are selling more. And I, you know, you know, I should have done this and this and this, but like getting into that headspace where you're uh, just there to connect with people. And, and if you just connect with one person to be happy with that, like I connected with a person, like a real person, like this person could read my stuff and they could have Lori Kimura in their head for the rest of their lives. And that's magic. Like that's the magic. Right. Um, and so having that sort of mindset is fantastic. I think that that was a good key to success for me, um, just to sort of stay in that. But like, as far as like, you know, the dressings, um, like good banners are fantastic. I had a, I had a banner that like had the pitch for Mindstorm on it, uh, which the pitch for Mindstorm is if Ellen, Lieutenant Ellen Ripley and Hansel had a daughter who grew up to fight demons, this was their story, right? That's Mindstorm. Lori Kimura is a mix of Han Solo and, and Ellen. Uh, and uh, like that pitch brought more people to my table that were already interested in the book. So like the verbiage was like, if it worked, the pitch worked and I'm an introvert. So it helped to have the sign give some of my pitch for me, you know, <laughs> a lot of help, like helped, um, you know, a good, a good pitch is great. Good covers are great. Um, I think um, all of those things are a part of it, but I, I really, really loved um, just connecting with people and talking story and like keeping that in my head. I think that was my, that was my favorite success. So all of the, a lot of things came together and were really fantastic, but I just loved talking to people. Um, like I said, I had, uh, I had two children's books on my table that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting just to have Mindstorm on my table. And then I'd written, uh, I'd written this bedtime story I told my kids. Uh, it's Min the Mighty. And I told my kids this bedtime story during the pandemic. And then I'd just written Mindstorm and I was writing every day, but I didn't want to stop writing every day. It was like keeping me sane as I was getting my kids through online school. Mm -hmm. I got to write every day. And so I was like, what am I going to write? I don't have time to put in the, you know, the, the effort for that beginning of the story stuff. And I was like, I, but what am I going to write? And I was like, I'll write this bedtime story. I already know the story. So I wrote it down and then uh, my kids were all thrilled. Like, yay, mom wrote it. And then just put it away. Cause I was not, I was like, I'm not a children's author. I'm writing sci-fi fantasy for adults. Right. Um, and then uh, we get close to the convention and I was talking to my friend Todd and I was like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to have this on my table. And he's like, that's cool. You know, and, and my, my 11 year old son comes running up to me and he's like, yells on the phone. He's like, Todd, ask, ask mom about men. And I was like, what, you know? And he's like, what, what's men? And I told him, I was like, yeah, I wrote this story and it's a bedtime story. And I just, you know, just left it. And, uh, and he's like, well, why? Why aren't you going to publish this? And I was like, well, you know, I like, gave my list of excuses and they were long. It was a long list and I thought it was a good list. And Todd was like, that's not a good list. <laughs> None of those excuses are good. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and I realized that I could put the effort into like making excuses to not 
publish the story or to like publish it. And so I was like, okay, well, let's, let's see what I was, I was pretty skeptical, but I was like, I'll put in the effort. I was like, I'm not going to be able to get an artist and I'm not going to be able to get, you know, the editor in time to like put a, t a book on the table for fanex. I'm not going to be able to do this stuff, but I did it anyway. And it all worked out, like all worked out. And I ended up with this book on my table that, um, was exactly the kind of book that I wanted for my kids when they were in that reading age, right? And I had this little kid walk past my table at Fanex and he uh, he stopped and he was like all into this cover, this dragon cover, right? And all into it. And he was like, oh man, mom, can, do you think I could read this? Do you think I could read this? And he was definitely in the age range where he could read it. I was like, yeah, you totally could. But it's, you could tell he was like a reluctant, maybe struggling reader. And he like picked it up. I was like, oh, I don't know. It might be too big. And the mom, you can tell the mom, and I've been there, I've been that mom who's like, yeah, it's like, you should try, like, the mom that's, like, desperate to find something that ignites their kid's imagination, and uh, I was just, like, I was in both spots, I was, like, I know what it's like to be that kid, and I know what it's like to be that uh, mom, and I was, like, oh, I'm on the other side of the table watching this, and they're holding my book, right, and I, you know, I pick up a copy, and I'm, like, hey, listen, like, I know what it's like to, like, struggle to read, and, like, like, I made these chapters, like, you know, I talked about the story, and, like, look, like, chapters are short like you can see the next chapter you know like I built this just for struggling readers like this is had you in mind when I was writing this you know and his his eyes lit up and he's like I think I could try it mom I think I could try it you know and they bought the book and she walks away grinning and and he walks away grinning and I'm like kind of a mess you know like oh my gosh like my the story that I just like thrown away you know like I just I just wrote it and put it on a shelf I was never gonna have this come out because it didn't like fit into my plan of what I wanted to, you know what I thought the future was going to bring and and I could have censored it I could have kept it away from the world and I could have just had all of the excuses and then I just let those excuses go and now this little kid has this book and I don't maybe like maybe it made a difference but it was such a cool moment anyway I just one of those things that I wouldn't, yeah, just magic. It's just the magic of story. And I'm just geeking out about that all the time. I could do that all day. <laughs> that's a that's an awesome story. And one that, unless you do stuff like that, I mean, you're, you said you're an introvert, I'm an introvert. Unless you step outside your comfort zone, you won't get moments like that, you know? Yeah. Putting your work out there, uh, being out there to, to meet yeah. people, like, don't get those moments unless you're out there doing those things so that's, yeah. that's fantastic yeah. Um, I, yeah go ahead no I just as introverts it's hard to to do the things that require connection but we do still require connection you know and like keep in mind that even these introverted activities like writing a novel where you're like in your room like on your computer you know but that like the ultimate goal is to connect with people right yeah yeah and like you said it is magical so how did you find a, your, your cover artist and, and an editor? Uh, for men, um, I have, I've got a lot of artist friends uh, doing some, my sort of rodeo in comic book writing, gave me some good artist friends. Um, I reached out to them and talked to them and then um, try to find some good like timeframes and budgets. It's all, you know, try to get everything to match. And uh, the one for men, I ended up finding her. She wasn't someone I knew. I found her on Instagram. She's an Italian artist, and uh, and her her style was exactly what I was looking for, and her time frame was great, and the budget worked. It just all worked, and she worked started working like right away. <laughs> okay, um, and the editor, 
was through, uh, I found her through connections, other writers, connections I met at Superstars uh, writing seminar. So just you know, messaging the writers that I knew like, hey, I've got a children's book, chapter book, you know, I don't know an editor that could do this. Uh, the editor for Mindstorm was uh, Corwin Zahn, who's Timothy Zahn's son. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, uh, yeah, was a delight to work with. So good. I uh, really loved working with him on Mindstorm. So I sort of had to find a different editor, though, because I'm like, he's, you know, like specialized, right? He was pretty specialized in sci-fi and um, was really, really a pleasure to work with. So, yeah, working those connections, the author network and finding good recommendations. Um, there's just a lot of people out there to choose from, and I just tend to work off of recommendations from people I know so that's one thing that I've learned uh, since doing this podcast is how willing people are to help and yeah. for those people like you said the, the introverts who are in their rooms writing and stuff um, they might not think of reaching out to their favorite author or artist and to see if there's anybody that can help them out and yeah. you know as an introvert that's hard to do like I know how hard that is yeah. but it's it's it really is key if you want to be successful and to to put books out or if you're an artist to to get that art out there like you, yeah you know, as crass as this is sometimes you have to just set your introvertness aside and, yeah. and step out in the world a little bit yes yes be bold uh yeah. like my, my dad my dad used to say they can't take away your birthday that's what i think every time i reach out to someone i don't know like okay well they can't take away your birthday like what are they gonna say right like, right no they're gonna they'll either ignore you or say no. Like that's the worst case scenario because fear lies to you. That's the truth. Like that's the truth of it. Like you're sitting there and you're like, oh man, if I, if I write a terrible novel, like, you know, everyone's going to hate me and I'm going to be, you know, like everyone, I'm going to get chased out of my town with pitchforks. But that's not true. Like if you write a terrible novel, just no one's going to notice. Like there's no story police. There's no bad writing mob that's going to come to your house. They're just, it's just not going to catch readers. Right. So putting that fear into perspective is good. <laughs> That's okay great to advice. have the fear, but it's, you know, keep it in perspective. Yeah. And, and it does lie to you. Uh, my favorite acronym is uh, false evidence appearing real. Yeah. That's great. So, I love that. It's just, it's just false evidence in your mind. Like just pretending like there's something there when it's really not. So yeah. You know, and that is hard to get over as an introvert. That's, that's it for is. sure. It is. It is. So, you you started with the Star Wars books uh, back in your when you were in fifth grade, and then you got an English lit degree. Yes. And you read totally different books in English literature <laughs> than you do fantasy and science fiction. What drew you back to pursue a career in fantasy and science fiction? Um, I think that's just always the terms of my like my imagination always just lives there. Um. I thought like with my English lit degree, I thought I was, I was sort of aiming towards a law degree. Like that was going to be where I was headed. And then I worked with a lot of attorneys and that changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're not all bad, but they all are stressed. All of them are stressed. And I knew that that wasn't the kind of lifestyle I wanted. Um, but yeah, like I remember, like, I think that just, I've always had an imagination that lived in the stars and in castles and in, like I think that that's always just where my imagination was um and I think that one of the best things about sci-fi and fantasy is that it's it's a genre of wonder and um 
I think I've always just been a person who delights in wonder. Uh, as as I'm going on these walks at 4 a.m., I take, I don't know, 50 pictures of the sunrise and know that nobody wants to see except me. You know, like <laughs> I'm not getting into any galleries, right? But like there's like just the sense of wonder that's just a part of me. Uh, and that is, that, I think that's what drives me to come back to sci-fi fantasy. That's amazing. And yeah, that's why I like it too, is because there is, you know, it's magical. It really yeah. is. So, you know, you have a family, you're up at four um, walking and doing all the other stuff. How do you maintain balance in your life? Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I think that the, like, the sort of misconception about balance is that it's like uh, a perfect unerring effort. Uh, but the truth of it is when you're balancing on a balance beam or whatever, especially if you're clumsy and tall like me, you, there's a lot of teetering, like there's a lot of like back and forth. And so like for me, balance really isn't like uh, getting it perfect every day. It's uh, an overall look of like, okay, well, I, like today I pushed really hard on writing and the like saw the kids less than I wanted to or and, and so I'm going to read like this week, you know, teeter this way and we're going to go on a date and, you know, and we're all going to go to the movie or whatever. Like there's just this like back and forth interplay. And I think it just takes um, a lot of communication with your family and a lot of uh, self-awareness to know like what's most important for you. Like what are your, your top three and, uh, and just make sure that you hit those top three every day. And uh, even if it's in different degrees, you know, like if you're, writing 10% and everything else is taking 90 then you know but you still hit it you still got your top three done so that's a great answer <laughs> and it's one uh, you know I asked this almost everybody and I think that's the best answer I've heard as far as when you're balanced you're you're you are teetering you know if you look at an airplane's flight from I don't know say Salt Lake to London like a lot of times there's lots of adjustments your plane isn't yeah. right like yeah and you know, and that's, that's what balances to me, like being able to self-correct and be able to, um, get back on track with, if you, if you, you know, like yeah. you said, neglect your kids for a, for a day, cause you have to write and then neglect your writing because you have your kids. Like it's, yeah. it's that balance of, of teetering and self-correcting when you're off the course. Exactly. I think exactly. that's, that's a fantastic answer that you gave. So, uh, <clears throat> Becca, if somebody was starting this journey, what kind of advice would you give them? Oh, um, just keep writing. Just um, dare to be bad at it. Like if it's if if you um, ever want to be good at something, you have to dare to be bad at it first. And uh, it takes a lot of courage, especially in the world of like information and instant visibility that is the internet. Um, it's hard to feel like so judged, and you see people that like look like there is like the you know the filter like there's just a filter on life right now and it's hard to like put your art or put yourself forward but I just I wish I would have dared to be bad sooner that's great advice now you're working on an epic fantasy novel right now uh, do you have a time frame of when that will be out yeah so uh you know early to mid next year so I'm working this is a it's a fantastic project it's called Eldros Legacy um, and it's a collaboration of all a bunch of epic fantasy writers, um, all in the same. They're using the same, uh, you know, world building magic system 
and there's five separate continents and they're sort of all building towards a big like Avengers climax, you know, knock down, drag out fight with the giants. Uh, uh, and what's so cool about it is that you sort of can pick your thoroughs. You can pick which continent takes you to that climax or you can read them all, you know, and, and know all of the players. Um, so it's a really, really fantastic project. And uh, it's how I got to know Todd Fonestock who I've, I think I've mentioned, um, he's one of he's the found one of the founders and the founder of the continent I'm working on, which is Noxanon. So uh, it's a really really fun project. I told I would absolutely recommend your fantasy readers uh, to to jump in. Um, Todd's book Kaiv and the Unkillable is sort of what rekindled my love for fantasy, the fantasy genre. I've always loved fantasy, right? Like a dragon picture behind me, but like I've always loved fantasy. But at some point, I got disillusioned with the literature uh the the like the the amount of barriers put in between me and the story there's that so much world building or so much like uh it just was it it just I just got worn out uh and I was like I can't I got a whole bunch of little kids around and I'm, you know doing all this stuff I can't read 10,000 words you know like it just you know just to get to the next chapter in the uh Todd's book Kevin the Killable uh like <laughs> was it just made me fall in love with fantasy all over again it has all of the magic and heart and world building that I love in fantasy but like none of the boring parts and I just absolutely loved it um anyway so I'm working in his continent and so that book is called world breaker it should come out uh you know spring of next year so I'm just finishing edits on it now so it's gonna it's right in the pipeline but yeah that's awesome. What, what have been some of the challenges of writing in somebody else's world? Um, I don't, I have loved every part of it. That's good. <laughs> I don't know if there's been like, I don't know if there's been any sort of moment where I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. Like I've obviously finding, finding someone's world that I, I loved as a fan before I entered fantastic that's a good way to go because yeah. I was uh all in on Noxanon before I started writing Noxanon so um that helps a lot and, and like having a collaborator like Todd who is very much into like yes and like he, when I propose an idea he's like oh yeah 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 and like and and this is how it can fit you know he's not he's not into like um sort of being precious with his ideas or like restricting the world at all. He, he wants it to be expansive. And so that's key. I don't think that every collaboration has that. So I sort of, th I think I walked into sort of like a golden world where I was like, everything's great. Like, this is great. Uh, but I, I mean, probably if I'm, if I'm going to be honest, like the challenge, probably the biggest challenge for me is that like, I want to like, I want the comparison, right? Like you're walking right into a world that's already spilled. And, and the self-doubt that comes with writing that is probably my biggest challenge. Like, okay, yeah, I love this. I want my book to be just as good, you know? And anytime I can kind of get into that comparison headspace, it shuts down that creativity. So um, anytime I'm like, oh, well, I got to prove myself. Like that is an immediate shutdown of my right. creativity. So staying in a good headspace of like, no, I'm just going to write a cool story. Story is king. Let's, let's get this done. And then everything's fine. <laughs> It's got to be pretty exciting too when an author says, "Hey, will you write in my universe to expand this story?" Yeah, yeah, it's so great. It's so great. Uh, I have Kaivin, Kaivin, then Killable. Kaivin, the character Kaivin is like this, um, you know, badass, like 
sort of unstoppable warrior, right? And <laughs> he can do the impossible. He's just like, he's so cool. He's so cool. And one of my favorite things that I've done in this novel is I, I created this like lemur cat creature. I call it cat a cat and has like, you know, black horns and, and like uh, bright blue eyes. It's sort of like a my my 11 year old son's always like what kind of animal are you putting in your world you know he's always like he's a big cat lover lemur lover and so I built this like cat lemur mix you know creature to be on this you know this character's companion and I named him Kaivin the Kappa Cat because I thought it was funny like Kaivin then kill a little Kaivin the Kappa Cat and I remember like presenting it to Todd and be like hey what do you think if this weird sort of irreverent creature is named after your like you know Superman-ish <laughs> warrior and he laughed like he delighted in it it was so fun it's just yeah it was a good that's match. that's awesome fantastic well becca thank you so much um for those that are looking forward to that uh next spring um that, that'd yeah. be exciting go ahead and tell people how they get a hold of you um, and if they want to read mindstorm or other short stories yeah yeah so becca lee g becca lee g.com is my website uh i and that's my handle for almost all of my social media so um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Becca Lee G. Uh, and if you want to like check out Mindstorm uh, or Min the Mighty or the Force Glows or anything else I'm working on, they're all on Amazon. So look me up, Becca Lee Gardner. And yeah, you feel free to email me too if you have questions, if you have you know writers or anything that they're <laughs> if I can help at all. I don't know. Sometimes I I don't know how much I've got. To share but like I, I would love to help other writers um building that network network is important to me so uh becca lee gardner at gmail.com is my email so just reach out perfect thank you so much for getting on with me today i learned a lot from you hey i appreciate you thank you so much for having me thank you for listening to the troy podcast please subscribe like and share with your friends